0: Welcome to the Thought Leadership Project, a podcast by Jay Harrington and Tom Nixon, exploring how lawyers can turn expertise into thought leadership and thought leadership into new business. Welcome to another episode of the Thought Leadership Project podcast. Hi, Tom. Hey, Jay. How are you? Doing pretty well. Um, You know, just enjoying uh, the the last few weeks of summer here before whatever you know whatever school means this year uh, right beginning here in, at least in Michigan after Labor Day so um, we did uh, we did kind of a off-the-grid camping trip uh, last week which was fun but um, you know kind of just trying to get in as much summer fun as we can over the next few weeks well it's nice to have you back on the grid yeah <laughs> um... But uh, yeah, I guess
1: we, is this what they call the dog days of summer? I guess that's what we're in. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to fun. know in the modern, right? This like what day it is, what week it is, what season it is. We'll know when it starts snowing that the fun's over. Totally. Yes. That'll be a good sign. So. Yeah. Um,
0: all right. Well, let's get into today's topic, Tom. It. This was, we. I think this is something that we get asked a lot about uh, with clients, especially in the context of issues like thought leadership and content marketing and it's the term you hear you hear get thrown around quite a bit but you know we wanted to dive a little bit more deeply into what it means and and why it matters so we're gonna be talking about analytics today and i thought we could start by just kind of putting some definitions around the term analytics because it's, it's not just one thing um and even though, you know, I think people commonly think about Google Analytics in terms of like how much website traffic are you getting in connection with your content marketing, but, but it's more than that. So, so I'll throw the first question to you and, and just maybe ask you to talk a little bit about what is the universe of analytics that are available? Um, maybe not, you know, entirety, but what are some of the key ones that, that are things that, uh, you know, perhaps someone should be focused on? Yeah, well, I think we'll address the that last part of your question maybe secondarily,
1: which is, what should people be focused on, particularly attorneys and law firms and legal marketers who are engaged in thought leadership, PR, and marketing? I think that's a slightly different question, but so there's two, I, w- the way I look at it, there's two things. There's things that you can measure and things that you should measure, and I think the question that you're getting posed with and we get as an agency get posed with is, what can we measure? Um, because there's this whole universe of available uh, tools and analytics systems at our fingertips now that makes it really easy to measure. But the question I think that we should be answering is what should you be measuring? So in terms of the what can be measured, and what uh, analytics tools are out there, I think there's kind of two buckets in that realm too. One is what I would call like metadata Analytics, and then the other would be micro data analytics. So you reference the most popular among them when you talk about metadata, which are Google Analytics, and those are things like, you know, web traffic, page count, um, referral sources, uh, duration on site. All of these things uh, are metadata in that you can understand, you know, the big picture in terms of volume and trends up and down, and, and what's generating what, you know, what pieces of content are generating those trends in that metadata. But in Google Analytics, say at least at the base level, you don't have the microdata information, which is exactly who's clicking on what and what are they doing next, um, which you can, you know, sophisticated analytics provider could do that. But there's also this whole other side. Of analytics tools, which is the microdata analytics, and by that I'm thinking in terms of things like HubSpot or um, you know JD Supra is one in our industry that you know provides a high level of detail right down to not only what's being clicked on but who's doing the clicking and who's doing the sharing online. So even off of JD Supra's platform, for example, to focus on that example, they can tell you who's tweeting your work, who's sharing it on LinkedIn when all of this micro data that is you know five years ago probably wasn't nearly ubiquitous as it is today and again there's all these other platforms that provide that too and salesforce has a tool for this and hubspot has a tool for this these sort of marketing suites um so two buckets the again metadata analytics and micro data analytics i think the place that people are most comfortable talking about are, are these micro data analytics and that's probably the place I guess to start, you know, as a baseline is to get things in place that are measuring the traffic, the trends, the ups, the downs. And so Google Analytics is one, your email marketing analytics is another. So that, you know, what's measuring the open rates and clicks rates and who's forwarding subscribes, unsubscribes, all of that. And then probably some level of understanding of what's happening on social media. So social media has its own insights based on platform. So Who's clicking? Who's engaging? To what degree are they engaging? Are they sharing? Are they commenting? All of those stuff are, I think, are the the, um, the like the baseline report. So just w- one caveat, though, I think that it's important to address, and I'd like to hear your opinion on this, is all of these, you could call all of these meta, I have a pejorative term for it, and then I have a more complimentary term for it. The pejorative term is, I call them vanity metrics, because they make you feel good when you start seeing likes and clicks and engagement and comments and all of that stuff. As they say, you know, the people who study this show that there's like actual dopamine releases in the brain when somebody gets a like on Facebook. So, so, but to me, I think more people focus on the vanity of those metrics, which is, does it feel good because I have a larger audience or somebody shared my content? So the more complementary term for what I'm describing is all of these are leading indicators. So all of these are like, is the marketing working to the extent that people are seeing it? Are they noticing it? But they don't do a very good job of what's more important, which we'll get into later, are the lagging indicators. Too often this marketing data analytics, the micro, I'm sorry, the macro uh, metadata is divorced from the, are we getting inbound calls? Are, are attorneys uh, being asked to present? Are we getting more requests for a proposal? Those are the things that when, if the marketing's truly working, those are the lagging indicators that you should be measuring. And too often, I would suggest companies, people, marketers are not
0: looking at those things. So um, what are your thoughts on that? Is that what you're seeing, Jay? Yeah, for sure. I, and I think that's a challenge that many uh, marketers have, which is uh, tying Content uh, to ROI essentially when we talk about the lagging indicators of success, which really mat- which is really all all that matters to, at the end of the day in terms of the sort of the bottom line value of of these uh, these efforts and these tactics. So yeah, the the vanity metrics you described, Tom, are definitely um, you know they they can be valuable. I mean, one of the things uh, that you know you need to really look at is. Are those likes or shares or comments or web page uh, visits, are they, you know, are they of the, of the audience that you're trying to reach? Are they reflective of your target market? Um, if that's the case, then they, they are relevant and they're not simply, um, you know, vanity metrics, but could be an indicator, certainly, a, a, again, a leading indicator of, um, you know, business development success down the road. Um, so that that means you know taking a step back from a strategic standpoint, if if you can have you know high high web page visits, a lot of engagement on social media, but your audience is the audience you're trying to reach with your business development efforts, then then that really you know hits the sweet spot here. Um, you want high volume, you want high traffic and engagement, um, as long as it's among the audience that you're trying to reach. So I just add that caveat, like, so practically speaking, what does that mean? If you're looking at your, you know, if you're active on LinkedIn and you're looking at your your metrics, so to speak, um, if you have, you know, 10,000 connections, but only five to 10% of those connections are within your target market, then all of that activity is, is probably an all not, isn't particularly relevant. Um, but if you have, you know, 2,000, uh, connections and they're all relevant to your target market or mostly and you still have you know decent engagement, well then that's going to be more valuable. So just yeah. keep that in mind that your you know, your, your analytics as long as they relate to your target market, that's the thing that's going to really signal success.
1: Yeah, and you touch on something that I think is another problem with analytics is sometimes we're, we're measuring analytics. But the power isn't measuring and knowing what's happening. It's it's taking action as a result. So to your point, if you're measuring, you know, just numbers without a sense for quality, you know, so you're favoring quantity over quality, there's nothing you can do about it because it's not giving you any actionable intelligence. But if you're looking at the data and saying, okay, I have either not enough density of my target market in my following or the content that I'm sharing is being engaged with. So for, I'll use myself as an example. If a lot of marketers just generally love my content and are responding to it, um, that's great. And it makes me feel good because I, it it maybe positions me as an expert in marketing, but if I'm doing this content and sharing this content as a means to develop business amongst law firms, then that's, and I'm not getting that level of, of detail, then there's something wrong with my content. So what I need to do is reorient my content strategy around what the data is telling me, not just look at the, and that's why I call them vanity. If you're looking at the, the metrics just through the prism of vanity, then you're not actually, you know, harnessing the power that is intrinsic in the analytics itself. So it should be shaping your marketing program and not just be sitting out there. And then the other thing is I think more important, I think you hit on a great point, First of all, one is that it's more important if you're measuring this as a function of business development, you want to make sure that you're measuring the right thing, which is, am I getting the right people? I'd rather have 20 highly engaged prospects in my among my analytics than 2,000 sort of lightly engaged, disinterested. And then tying all of that activity back to some specific goal is what is what you should be doing with analytics, but what too few people
0: are doing. All right, so we kind of got a, I think, a sense of the universe of what's out there, what you could be looking at. Um, so let's, let's talk a little bit more about, you know, what are the specific analytic uh, measurements within these various platforms and, and, uh, and why, you know, what are, so what should people be thinking about or looking at? Uh, say you're a, you know, say you're an attorney or a, or a um, in, in-house marketing uh, person that is responsible for the thought leadership and content marketing for a law firm. What are what are some of the specific metrics and analytics that are highly relevant and important to be um, taking a look at, Tom?
1: So I would say just broadly speaking, the one thing you want to keep in mind is not so much the the hard data, but more so, in my opinion, the trend data, which is not how many people clicked on the first, say, podcast that I put out into the universe, because that's going to be Not very many, right? But what you want to do is measure growth over time. So is the audience growing or is it stagnating or are people falling off? So look at the trend data, I'll just say broadly speaking. But to answer your question, I think there's sort of some categories that we should focus on. One is reach, and we talked about reach, and every platform has a different sort of measurement of reach. Your website reach is the monthly visitors, say right? Your LinkedIn reach is your not only how many connections you have, but how many of those connections are actually engaging with your content. It's same thing with Facebook and Twitter. So one measurement is reach. Do I have a big platform? Because the power in any marketing, as you know, as an author who just launched your book, is not only in how good is the book, it's how big is the platform that you're launching into. So whatever we're doing is we're always trying to build the platform, but build it again, favoring quantity, quality over quantity. So I think reach is one. The other one then I think is, again, engagement. So we just talked about this a minute ago. So there are engagement metrics on every platform. In Google Analytics, I think engagement is how many pages per visit are you averaging per visitor? So if it's one, then people are hitting your homepage or they're hitting a blog post and then they're leaving bounce rate will measure engagement is it you want something like three or four pages per visit and you want to in a perfect world you want to set up goals in google analytics so you can follow how much traffic is coming into a certain page and leaving on the contact us page because that would indicate that those people got so engaged that they were um, motivated to try to find an attorney or to find the phone number or submit a form so engagement on social media so in an email platform for example engagement or things like open rates and click rates are people actually engaging with the content same thing on social media so are people commenting liking and sharing so i think reach engagement uh, are probably the two biggest categories and every platform has you know some level of measurement of that
0: what am i missing well i think those are i think that's all correct um i just wanted to maybe and and then have you expand upon this after i do a little bit um and and just say okay so you know we've got the we've got where to look um we've we've just talked quite a bit about what to look at and then um let's just talk a little bit about like what to do with it uh as as kind of a transition point and and i'll just share a few things um which would be okay so if you if you're looking at your various analytics tools and you're finding that um look for look for those trends you identified, Tom, and, and use that for purposes of saying like, okay, now I, I can see in my analytics, what are the types of topics, for example, if I'm writing on, my, on a blog or something like that, that are really resonating with my audience? Are there any um, sort of common connections between the different topics that I'm, I'm writing on that that gives me a, a good signal as to something that I should write more about perhaps? Um, so, you know, the, the topic relevance, um, The content type, so you might have not just one uh, form of content that you're creating, perhaps you have a podcast, you maybe make videos and and, or or write articles or a little bit of all three of those types of things. Um, What is getting the most engagement? Um, So that's a good signal. And even within something like the articles that you're writing, are there certain formats that are working well, headlines, um, you know, long form versus short form? Uh, you know, the, the, the listicle format where you're, right. you're providing, you know, 10 tips, that kind of thing. Um, you know, your audience will express those preferences as uh, evidenced in your analytics. And then depending on the platform, again, you mentioned JD Supra and, and these platforms that have a more, um, you, can, you can get more information down to the level of who has clicked on and, and read and or shared something you've written. And and you can tell this because oftentimes the readers of that content on these platforms like JD Super are logged into their account. So you can get a sense of, you know, an individual who's actually read your blog post. Well, then you can use that to, you know, connect with that person on LinkedIn, even, you know, reach out with an email and say, you know, glad you enjoyed my content. Um, You any follow up questions on it, uh, maybe set up a, a phone call to talk about the issue, that kind of thing. So get really tactical and, and fine grained from a business development standpoint as well. Absolutely. Those are two other categories that follow
1: from the, the first categories I mentioned. So one is affinity analysis. So what you just described is. Either an email, email programs, for example, will give every person in your database like a score, an affinity score from, say, zero stars to five stars. The five stars are the ones that are super engaged. Right, So these are the people that open every email you send, they click on every link in every email, and these people will get five stars. Now, there should be someone doing an analysis of where the greatest affinity is, because that's how you tie your efforts into business development efforts. Somebody who opens every email and clicks on every link, for example, is waving a huge red flag saying, I love the content. I'm digesting it. I find value in it. And that doesn't mean you call that person and say, hey, guess what, Jim? I see you're clicking on everything. Cool. <laughs> what do you, you want to buy? but it is an indicator in terms of if you're creating business development behaviors and you're setting goals for yourself to touch base with certain people, I'd want to be touching base with the most engaged. And so I would measure affinity and there's all sorts of tools too, that measure a whole nother category, which is sentiment. So you can um, measure if you want to get really robust um, in terms of the social media activity, you can measure, there can do sentiment analysis, which is to what degree is that affinity translating into fandom and you can find out who are the people that are your biggest cheerleaders online. With and sometimes you don't even know who those are, but like you said, a, a tool like JD Super or some of these sentiment analysis tools, I think HubSpot has this. You can find out, even if you're not being tagged or referenced or linked, you can find out who these biggest fans are. So you can get really granular. And I agree that if you're going to get granular, then do something with the data. Use it to inform some A-B testing. You know, this type of blog post that was 2,500 words and highly technical got very low engagement. This listicle one, which was my top 10 summer reads, was super popular and and really super popular among my target audience. Well, that should inform your data planning going forward or your uh, content planning going forward. And then the last piece I'll say about measuring what to measure and how to measure. I think it's important to understand that a lot of these metrics are snapshots in time. And so I'm not suggesting that you react to every single data point that comes across your desk. I, th- I would advocate you take a state approach, which is to say, measure this stuff monthly, but make decisions on it quarterly. So, every month I would want a report that gives me reach, engagement, affinity from my social media team, my mar- uh, email marketing team, and the website team, right? So, give me that data and then look at trends. And every 90 days, make some informed decisions on what to change and what to do next because you don't want to react to a blip that is maybe unrepresentative of what's really happening. But, um, you, you want to, again, give enough time so that you can measure trends
0: and not just, you know, vanity metrics. On the, uh, that discussion about you know, those who have shown affinity, you know, for your content through you know, like email marketing scores, that kind of thing. Um, that that's really useful, I think. Um, and I'm, I'm thinking about it in terms of, uh, Some of the coaching I do, for example, where one of the things lawyers, some lawyers that I work with have trouble with is identifying, you know, how to move beyond what what I typically call their tier one leads, which would be like their good referral sources, their existing clients, and then maybe just those who they've prepared a proposal for or have expressed interest in their services, maybe had, you know, reach out to them at some point, but maybe haven't hired them. And then they have a hard time going and expanding that circle of business development beyond that. Um, and this would be like your tier two leads. And oftentimes, I, I tell them, you know, look, if you're if you're producing content, look at those people who have engaged with your content as potentially people to focus on for your tier two lead business development efforts. And you've given us a couple tools to really um, dive into that and dig into that and. And identify those people. So I think that that's really valuable. It, those are people who, um, when they're through engaging your, with your content, they know you, uh, ostensibly, they, they like you, they're, they wouldn't be coming back for more if that wasn't the case. And, and they trust you, uh, because again, they're finding some value in what you're sharing. So for anyone who's looking to expand, you know, the universe of, of leads and, and potential clients that they want to reach out to, those who engage with your content is a, is a really good way to think about that.
1: Yeah, and I think why people focus on tier one, Jay, is because the, that's the easy ones. Um, there's, there's no bravery required in responding to someone who's raised their hand and said, send me a proposal. So that's yep. where we focus all our energy. It's like the, uh, I like to use the analogy of the, the, the drunkard who's outside the bar and only looks for his keys where the, the light is shining. Right. Right. (laughs) So what this does, though, the power in this analytics, especially these affinity metrics, like we're talking about, is it gives you the permission to establish a new relationship, but you can't put so much pressure on yourself and consider it a sales function. So it's not like, all right, Jim looks like he's sort of um, reacting to my content. He seems to be a fan. He's never reached out to me to refer a piece of business, but maybe I'm going to call him and ask him for a referral. That's not what I would do. Cause I think a lot what goes into, again, looking for your keys where the lights are, it's an aversion to doing the, the uncomfortable, which is the going into the dark and trying to find your keys and for lawyers and a lot of service professionals, it's just a it's an aversion to sales. And so we engage in avoidance behavior, like saying I'm too busy or saying I'm well, I already called you know all of my prospects and none of them are ready to make a decision right now. So what I would do is I would use the analytics to say, create my tier two, like you suggest in your coaching, and then what can I use for my existing content arsenal to offer? We've talked about this in the past on this podcast, to offer as just free value. Hey Jim, uh, you don't have to reference that you're monitoring their affinity. Jim, we talked in the past about, you know, this particular matter that seems to come up over and over again. Just so happens I wrote a piece on it or we covered it on my podcast. I thought I would share it with you. What a great way to conduct a piece of outreach without putting pressure on yourself that it's going to end in a sale. Because for tier two, all you're trying to do is establish new relationships so that eventually those people fall into tier one. You're not trying to get them from tier two to set to, to new business. I would advocate. So, anyway, so again, you can't measure. You know, you can't react to what you're not measuring. So that's why you got to measure.
0: Yeah. So what? What did we miss? Anything else, Tom, that you wanted to share? Well, uh, yeah, actually,
1: I'm going to throw a huge curveball, Jay. Yeah. All right. Because we just spent twenty three minutes now talking about what we can measure, mm-hmm. but I would suggest to most attorneys, it's not what you should measure. Mm-hmm. It's so why did we talk about all of? well, all of this stuff is important. Like you said, it's tools in the arsenal to help you make informed decisions about your content, maybe to create a tier B uh, prospect list and to start measuring whether or not your reach, your outreach to them is working. But let's be honest about how a sale typically happens. I'm calling it a sale. Let's call it an engagement or an attorney gets hired for a complex matter at a very typically very high price point, right? These aren't transactions. And so what we are always advocating, obviously, as the name of the podcast suggests is a thought leadership approach. So you are over time earning a reputation as a thought leader. um, And that's not something that will show up in any of the metrics that we just measured. I mean, again, leading indicators that the stuff that you're doing is working, but what I would want an attorney focused on is the long game, which is in a year from now, Am I regarded as an industry thought leader? Are people coming to me for questions um, offering you know, to book me as a guest on their podcast? Um, did somebody approach me and say, "Hey, I saw that you uh, are an expert in this subject matter. Would you write a, a guest article for my blog?" Those are the things. I think the long game is what's truly going to develop a book of business. And in the, the book that you just released, the Productivity Pivot, result in personal autonomy, in career fulfillment. It's that long game. So I would create a metric that says it's more of a quality metric that says a year from now, I want to be regarded as this three years from now, I want to be regarded as the preeminent authority in X, whatever X was in a year. It all of your activity and your endeavor should be focused on that goal. And then you're measuring sort of incremental gains along the way with the with the analytics data.
0: Yeah. No, that, that's really good, Tom. And I think, you know, is way I would maybe in a shorthand way, think about that because, you know, how do we? What are the analytics we should be looking at to understand whether we've reached that status of preeminent authority um, in our in our space? And I would say for anyone who's you know setting out and starting to create content or or is you know ramping up that effort, I think you know there's a there's sort of a, a stage where you'll get opportunities like you described, Tom. You appear on my podcast, uh, write write a guest post for us. Um, I want to quote you, you know, like your commentary for this article I'm writing, those kinds of things, you know, as you're as you're sort of going up that escalator towards that that high status that you're seeking. You probably say yes to almost all of those inbound requests. Um, Mm -hmm. And then at some point as you you start to establish yourself as again, you know, among or or the preeminent thought leader in your space. You're, you're probably gonna be saying no to almost everything because you'll be getting so many inbound requests. So you'll be able to, people, if, if, you, if things are working, it, people will be taking notice of it. And by taking notice of it, they're gonna be reaching out to you because they're gonna be perceive you as an expert uh, and they want your opinion uh, for their, whatever pr- purpose they're trying to uh, accomplish. And so, yeah, you'll be say, say yes a ton at the start and then start saying, you know, you'll have to start saying no at some point because the request will be coming in uh, to such a great extent.
1: Yep. And if I could simplify it um, even further than that, perhaps, and is, this is sort of a feels type of metric, so it's not uh, scientific, but you'll know it when you feel it. And that is simply this, when the headwinds become tailwinds. Mm -hmm. And you'll know when that's happened. When you start out and you're endeavoring to be a thought leader and you have zero content, all you're going to see is headwinds. You're going to see a low subscriber count. You're going to see low affinity. You're going to see low engagement, um, unless you're excellent, but that usually takes time to build up at a certain point though. All of those headwinds that are discouraging at first become tailwinds and they become almost like a, like a tailwind would suggest like something else is powering the ship now. And I can relax a little bit, not be so aggressive and to your point, not have to say yes to everything and be more selective. And of course, when you're being more selective, the fees go up, the workload comes down and everyone's happy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's when you get to the point of those compounding returns on all of the effort you've made, um, stage that, that we all aspire to. Uh, content itself starts working uh, on your behalf. Uh, and and you have this this long tail of content out there that's that's really fueling all aspects of your marketing. So, um, just right. one last
1: point, and yeah. the reason why that's important is because there are a lot of we've discovered this ourselves. There are a lot of metrics happening that you won't discover and can't measure, and you won't know until somebody calls you or emails you and says something to the effect of, "Hey, Jim." I'm a huge fan I've been reading your content or listening to your podcast or whatever it might be um, really enjoyed it um, I've been listening now for six months or I've been reading or following you for a year or whatever it is and I want to talk about whether or not we can in- engage you in somewhere way or something like that and those metrics are difficult because they're out there and they're they're ha- happening, but maybe you're not recording them just because it's such an anonymous amount of activity you have no idea what's going on in the brains and the hearts and the souls of the people that are engaging your content and you might be creating this sincere fandom but you just don't know it so that's why the cautionary tale against measuring the metrics as they come through it's very important that's super powerful but don't get so hung up on them that if you don't see a huge subscriber account for example that it's not working because that is not the goal of a thought leadership program the goal is something else and it's bigger
0: yeah well that's a good place to wrap up tom um thank you I, I learned a lot i'm not this is not an area that is my uh specialty and i, I think you know you've you've uh, you definitely you definitely informed me on a lot of things that i should be thinking about as it relates to my own content so i appreciate that and hope our listeners learn something as well um and i want to just uh you know we, we don't do this often enough uh especially since we're always talking about marketing but um Just wanted to urge listeners, if if you're uh, enjoying this content, we always appreciate a a rating on iTunes. It helps the podcast and helps others discover it. And if you've listened to the last couple episodes, uh, you would have known that I came out with a book a couple weeks back called The Productivity Pivot. If you'd like to check that out, download a free chapter. There's a few um, complimentary worksheets that go along with the book. You can do that at productivitypivot.com. So I'd appreciate you checking that out. And anything else to kind of read us out, Tom? Well, I just wanted to appreciate that you found it a nice way of calling me a nerd.
1: Yeah. This is my area of expertise. But uh, I do enjoy the metrics. But again, uh, temper that enthusiasm with let's measure what's truly important.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right, everybody. Uh, we'll see you uh, or we'll be talking at you next week in a new episode. Thanks. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Thought Leadership Project. For show notes, additional resources, and links to the tools discussed on today's episode, visit thethoughtleadershipproject.com.